Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Waiting to Be Signed, the show where we reveal the week's events on FX Hash. My name is Will, and I'm joined by Matt W. Before we get started, a quick disclaimer. We are here to talk about art, not just the aesthetics, but the money surrounding it, because the market is a key part of FX Hash. That being said, nothing we say here should be taken as financial advice. This is just a show for you to listen to and have fun. You can follow us on Twitter at Waiting to Sign to keep up with our thoughts throughout the week. Or for those who prefer a visual language, follow us on Instagram at Waiting to Be Signed. And if you are feeling generous, we are always accepting donations at our Tez wallet, Waiting to Sign.tez, and that is inclusive of tokens. It was a big week for us. Matt, did you see that we got an insane donation? <laughs> no, I missed it. What was it? Oh, wow. So I'll take this as an opportunity to thank. Zancan, who dropped us a kindergarten monuments to our oh, podcast wow. wallet as a donation, just incredibly kind and generous of him to do that. Wow, that's fantastic. Very cool. So Matt W., welcome to the podcast. You're filling in for Trinity today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, huge fan of the show. Excited to be on. It's good to have you. I feel like even before, you know, before we started the podcast, you know, your kind of weekly or sometimes even daily, I feel like you were putting out updates for a while there. Snapshots of the market, synopsis were something that really kind of hooked me into FX hash as like a thing <laughs> that I can pay a lot of attention to. Right. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, you know, for people who don't know who Matt W is, can you let them know why you're co-hosting today and like what kind of what your involvement in the community has been? Okay. Yeah. So I basically started tracking floors on different collections with two goals in mind. The first was, you know, hoping to increase visibility of FX hash on Twitter. Uh, you know, people tend to get excited about um, price action on different NFT projects. So the thought was, uh, you know, just hopefully it would spread brand awareness and kind of pump all our bags. And then um, the second goal, a little bit more selfishly, I was hoping to be able to just identify patterns or typical patterns, you know, with price action just by forcing myself to update these stats daily at times and uh, weekly with time it just became such a time suck it was you know three four hours to uh, manually import all this data and rearrange the order and all that so to, uh, to save my relationship i ended up switching to weekly instead of daily hopefully it's been helpful for for people um it's definitely helped me you know resist fomo at times and you know use the seven day rule as galaxy coined it so you like hard stick to the seven day rule is that one of your um, at, at times, I I break away from that. I, f I feel like my biggest, you know, just from a pure ROI price point of view, um, my biggest mistakes have been buying into that kind of initial hype wave that we see so often. I mean, the amount of collections that have just continued to go parabolic without pullbacks. I can think of Garden Monoliths, and that's about it. I'm sure there's exceptions, but generally, collections tend to follow a pattern. So I try to um, have a little bit of patience. Yeah, I think we'll talk about some of that parabolic activity we've been seeing this week. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious to know, you know, so you, you track prices almost religiously on a weekly basis here. So is a lot of your, a lot of your decision making in terms of buying based purely off of, I'm not so interested in getting into minting on new stuff. I'm looking to like price things out, find great bargains, right? Like looking at something that might be down 70% from its high in terms of floor and just like moving in, like a little bit like what we described on the show, maybe a month or so back when we were kind of talking about you know, we had that kind of episode that was half dedicated to like bargains and great things to, to go get. Is that, is that more of your approach, like value-based? Right. Yeah. So I'm, I think I'm fairly conservative. I mean, some, some traders, you know, they, 
they're pretty successful writing like the momentum plays, you know, something just 20 X an hour from mint and they'll buy it there and then, you know, flip it a few days later or whatever for a profit. But I'm, I'm pretty conservative. So I um, tend to focus either on minting something I'm interested in. If I miss the mint, then uh, I usually wait at least a week, sometimes longer. If it seems like they generally, you know, they peak, they come back down, find a new floor. And then I'm always looking for that kind of bounce off the new floor. Like what we saw in December, you know, mid, I think I pulled up one of my old charts, December 16th, I think it was, there was like, I was tracking like 45 collections that day. And I think we had 17 that were over a hundred percent gains just on the 24 hour. And then another 10 or so that were above 40%, you know, in that kind of environment, it just seems like, you know, the potential risk buying there is, is quite high. So I try to sell in the strength. You know, after after that moment, you know, we had two, three months of kind of a slow bleed out. So then once, you know, that new floor is established, I look for them as they start rising again. Not successfully many times, but, you know, that's kind of my goal. So then this week, were you doing a lot of selling or did you just kind of like miss everything because of all the gas wars and nonsense that was happening? Yeah, this week, gosh, life really got in the way. I was busy with work and a bunch of family stuff. So I tried um, minting quite a few things. I, I missed out on some big ones. I um, successfully minted a few, but the ones that you know I, I missed, I've just kind of watched them go, cheer from the sidelines. I'm not quite ready to ape in at 50x mint price yet, but you know some people are doing it and they're having a lot of success. And you know if you love the art, that's great. I'm a little bit more cautious with my secondary purchases. Yeah, I, I got kind of lucky on some mints and then I was fortunate enough to be on some reserve lists as well. It's kind of like those are the two narratives I feel of the week is like one, we have new drops again. Everyone's excited. Everyone's got an itchy minting finger from a month off and we we believe every single drop is the next great blue chip or iconic piece of its type. And the floor is at least temporarily, you know, actually a lot of projects are already entering into that post-hype dip phase, it seems. Yeah. But even now, you know, we're actually recording this while the market is open on a Friday. And I'm sure some of the drops that we're going to miss are going to like blow up to five or 10 extra more mint temporarily. It does feel like December in that way. Yeah, it's it's been an exciting week. Um, I think you're right. You know, I think people have just been stacking liquidity, you know, over the last month and itching to, to get going again. So it's it's been fun to watch. And it's been pretty incredible to see just how much volume has traded. I just in the top five collections, it looks like we had 400,000 total Tez spent on the primary and secondary, or you know, roughly 1.2 million USD, almost equal to Artblocks' curated seven-day volume. So it's, that's it's pretty that's wild. Yeah. That's insane. What, what is your take on the reserve system? Were you reserved for anything? Have you felt it's impacting the market at all? I, I'm sure it's a little soon for you to tell from... We probably need a couple of weeks, but like, what's your what's your current take on like gut feeling on the reserve system? I think it's been great. I mean, I, I like it. I was reserved on a few collections. I think one thing that that it does that's really cool is it kind of reinvigorates some of the older beta collections. You know, my my worry was that a lot of them would just get forgotten with time. You know, now you have this new dynamic where you know holding an older piece reserves you a spot for the newer piece. So I, th I think that's cool. And, and for the artists, it kind of creates a strong collector community for them. The only potential uh, difficulty I see is then you run into these gas, you know, insane gas wars for the remaining portion of, of mints remaining for the public. Yeah. You know, an interesting thing someone posted in Discord, and I don't know how to fact check this since I'm not like a Tezos contract developer, but 
there was someone in Discord who posted an explainer essentially saying that the reserve system itself is partially responsible on like a contract level that it consumes more gas. And so people who are transacting with the reservation for whatever reason, it's like actually driving up gas above what a minimum like transaction in Kukai might do. So it's part of the reason you're getting these like standard transactions that just sit there and hang for blocks and blocks and blocks before they finally get rejected back to you. Oh, that's quite interesting. So I'm, yeah, I don't. I wonder if it's because there has to be this like actual check against the list and matching of wallets, and it's just like one or two more transactions that cost some small amount of Tez to confirm. So sure. I don't know. That was just something that I saw, and it sounded like plausible to me. And then if that's the case, I wonder if it's something that could be solved you know, over time, or if just we have to adapt. In the last episode, the the first day recap with Trinity, we were talking about how like we were just like doing 0.3 to 0.5 tests on everything and just getting, for the most part, getting through on stuff. On the Ryan Bell drop, I tried seven tests <laughs> twice and zero luck on that. But um, it seems yeah. like the, um, the amount of gas people are willing to spend has gone up exponentially. I, I was looking at some of the transactions and people were um, going up to 25, 35 tests just in gas. Insane amount. I I tried Pang. I tried four Tez three times and missed on all of them. Yeah, was a nice for a nice minus twelve there. It's interesting that I think it's effective in that it's like putting pieces into people's hands. I think we're still seeing some weirdness in the market because of it, right? Like if it, a, a drop that's half reserved, the other half then becomes very very competitive, like you were saying, and subject to rampant flipping and speculation. Right. That could be causing some of the heat and also the, the FOMO of like, geez, like this is a 500 edition piece, but half of them are already spoken for. Sure. On the flip side, it's also just been like, you know, like Sprocket Factory is kind of like the greatest transfer of wealth in FX hash history. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, yeah, that was incredible. Yeah, it was absolutely wild. Like, I was qualified for two actually because I had moved a bunch of my fragments over to my vault, but then I have one listed that was on my hot wallet. And so this is a this is something that I think is hard for artists to account for is like accidentally giving an individual like two or three reserve spots when they only intend to have one. It's not easily solvable, but in this in this case, I just happen to benefit from it. But I'm now starting to starting to think consciously of like, oh, should I be splitting <laughs> splitting more between wallets or should I make a second cold wallet? Because in that case, like for five Tez, you got a free two hundred if you wanted to sell it. Which yeah, yeah, that was pretty. Pretty awesome. I haven't noticed. Is there any etiquette on like if you have you know multiples, splitting them up between wallets to get more reserve spots? I mean, I, that seems like the smart move to me. I don't know if I think the gaming of that system is a reason for artists to not telegraph what kind of reserve they're going to do. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, if you say like I am going to reserve only for holders of like X, Y, and Z, I just did a, a drop that's actually in jail right now that'll be released, and I kind of made the mistake of going on Twitter and letting people tweet me their wallets and. I ended up having to manually input like 110 addresses <laughs> for reserves. Cause like once yeah. you kind of say you're going to do it, you got to do it. Right. So yeah. uh, the other way to do it is just to import directly from holders, but you do it at the point, like you can't take a screenshot. I mean, I guess you could, you could take a screenshot and then populate a list and then enter it in manually. But for an artist, like the easiest way to do it is just going to be like check off their previous releases, import sure. those wallets. And you want those to be as natural and uncorrupted by game theory decisions like splitting between wallets and stuff so sure sure i think people are still going to have it in their back of their mind but i'd much rather it not be um i'd rather it be a surprise that you're reserved than and you get one then you have the opportunity to get like three or four 
I think it'd be nice too to have some kind of a feature where you could, um, you know, easily find out what you're reserved for. Because if you're not glued to the platform every day, you could quite easily miss out on some mints that you're entitled. To. Yeah, I mean, there are still some sprockets unminted. Yeah, that's kind of shocking. Like, come and claim your free 200 tes. Like, if you don't <laughs> think, because it wasn't it wasn't just fragments. It was like any I Ryan Bell piece that that you held. So, and going back to the Ryan Bell, you know, I can't remember how many he had. Um, open to the public, it was under 200, right? Yeah, something like that. You know, there's so much of that gas just ended up in the baker's wallets there. I wonder if there's some way to create a Dutch auction where um, the remaining public mints, where that money goes to the artist and not to the bakers. Um, like if they could say started at a really high Dutch auction price and then work their way down and then whatever it settles at, maybe refund everybody who, who didn't get one, if that makes sense. Or, you know, refund the difference. I saw somebody mentioned that on Discord. I've That's a like different type of Dutch auction. Yeah, that would be a great one to put in, actually. You know, right. at least to experiment with, because I, I do like that idea of, you know, I don't know how much I agree with the sentiment that it's a Dutch auction is like, quote unquote, unfair because someone who might buy at the top level then watches the price go under and then like, oh, they bought too high. Sure. You know, like any, any free market maximalist, yeah, it's just going to say, well, like, that person valued it at that t- at that price, and that's what they wanted to pay. So it's not unfair. Right. On the other hand, like I sympathize, I would rather it be equitable. So if someone does like pay a thousand for a project that ends up minting out at a tier of like two fifty, I would love for them to get refunded back. And I think actually a lot of artists would be on board with that. Like taking, for example, sprockets. I mean, say there was two hundred, and you know they minted out at five, so Ryan would get a. Th- a thousand there and um i think the bakers got over three thousand tes somebody posted just in and lost gas on that one well the dutch auction thing i don't think is going to help with the gas part right but but i don't think people gas during a dutch auction necessarily that's that's what i was thinking i mean if you're coming in at a hundred um it might reduce the lost gas i guess i believe that's why art blocks went to a dutch auction system because so much was just you know when the wasted gas was going to the uh, miners so Mm-hmm. I think it reduced that, but then you run in the risk, you know, of say a bunch mint out at 500 and then one person gets it at 250. It doesn't really make sense to uh, reimburse everybody that paid the higher price, but maybe you could average it out or something. It's, you know, I love that we have Dutch auctions now formalized in the contract and I'm up for like any other tool that an artist can look at. And some, some artists are like pretty into stuff. Like I'm sure like Roxanne or like Lauren Bednar, they yeah. seem like they're very interested in designing their drops in equitable ways or, or, or ways that would be fair, but also like obviously good for the artist too, right? Right, like right. The whole point of the Dutch auction is that it, it lets the artist capture more of the flipper value, which, which right. I'm all for. Or the lion's share of the fees go to the artists as opposed to the to the bakers or miners yeah. you know, on ETH. Yeah. Well, let's, you know, before we get into, we kind of, we kind of talked about Sprockets already, but before we get into our usual project discussions, we usually do like a favorites of the week section. So is there any favorites that you brought today, Matt? I guess my first favorite of the week would be um, Pang, the uh, collab between FX Tender and Abstractment. That's uh, 11580. And um, I, I really like this, uh, the outputs. The variations are great. You know, there's a nice consistent style. It seems quite simple at first, you know, lines and circles, but I, I just really uh, vibed with these. I, I like them quite a bit. Um, I ended up getting three. Oh, nice. So you were you gassed, I assume. No, I, I minted one and then I bought two on the second. There oh, okay. Yeah. 
Awesome. You know, like I said, I, I missed out. I took a minus 12 on that one trying to get it. And I'm just kind of biding my time because watching it, I think it's a really, really cool piece. I was super excited by the evolution from abstractment there. Like, you know, we've, we've seen clue and symmetric clue, and we haven't really seen what else he's capable of and like how much he can kind of stretch his style. So this is awesome to see just a very, very different approach to constructing a release like this, but like a lot of drops, like it hasn't been immune from diminishing floors. So I'm kind of just waiting for an entry point here. Yeah. And I, I imagine you'll probably find a good one because it looks like you know, there's 30, roughly 34% listed right now. So yeah, there'll probably be some good buying opportunities, but I'm, I'm quite happy with the three I have. I got one of the rare palettes. I think it, you know, like Zach Zancan green, but I think it's called a uh, wrapped, um, which I, I really like. Abstractment was on Twitter saying that that palette was named wrapped because of how enrapturing Garden Monolith is. Oh, really? Oh, I missed that. That's interesting, huh? I think there's five, and Zankan has one of them, so. As he should. Yeah, I I really like that. And then I got a black and white one that I was uh, really impressed with. So that would be my first. And then uh, my second would be from one of the platform OGs, Frederick Van Hoot. I'm not sure how you pronounce the handle. We we blue or W blue. Well, it's, it's, it's supposed to stand for like I'm not sure which language it is, but it's like winter blood, blue t- like whichever language blue is blood in, and it's like winter blood, which is pretty metal actually. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so that would be organic on variation two, and then he had that free drop, which was I think variation zero zero special edition. I I really like both of those. Generally, I'm not into the animated collections as much, but. I feel like this one really, uh, if you take the time, you know, to, if you spend some time with them, I think they really uh, stand out. Pretty incredible algorithm. It's such an amazing arc for him to go from like the first Organicon release and it was such a slow burn of a mint and it Mm -hmm. was like a little bit of public dismay at the community not embracing the project. And then there was just this like rallying effort within Discord of like, you guys got to go look at this, like just let it play out. Like don't just look at the thumbnail. And it didn't just get minted out. It then like went into like, you know, 20, 30, 40 test floor range for a while. And, you know, he pivoted, right? Doing a Dutch auction for this one. And I think it sold out like kind of across the spectrum. I didn't watch it, but also somewhere reserved. So like anyone who had it reserved, right, was able to get it at the bottom tier. So it's a little hard to know, but it was immediately trading like above the top tier of the Dutch auction. Just, I mean, that's got to be so encouraging for him. Yeah, I think it started at 24 and it settled at eight. And um, now it's at roughly 21. But um, I think the, uh, you know, so many people, myself included, just check the thumbnails and um, these really, you know, benefit from spending some time with them. But, uh, and then, yeah, I was, I was trying, I can't remember what it was, but he was, I think he was featured recently in a museum somewhere in Europe. Um, it might've been Belgium or Germany. Uh, I was trying to find that link. He posted it on his Twitter and I was diving in there trying to find it. But maybe you remember. I think it was actually in China. Because I remember there being a lot of like Chinese on the website and then his name was down in there amongst like a bunch of other artists. But it's, uh, yeah, I mean, a a lot of FX hash artists have been getting like real world events like this. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. And um, we haven't, I don't think we've fully seen the crossover yet. I'm sure there's so many people from the, like the trad art world who are still not fully on board and right. collecting digital stuff, but it's just kind of amazing to see like curators and like people putting together events like this to get this work out there in, in a way that like legitimizes it right to someone who might just be coming to a gallery event. And then um, I was just going through some old um, 
object outputs from way back when, and I noticed WBLUT was uh, represented quite a bit in some of the early hen pieces, which is kind of cool. I didn't realize he had such a history on Tezos. Yeah, I think he's an OG on the on the chain. For me, I had a couple favorites. Uh, my first was Balanced by Jeff W., who I think it was their first drop on the platform. Yep, yeah. Thank you. And this was one that I, you know, I, I regret not talking about it, you know, occasionally on the show in the past, we like talk about things we're looking forward to and it just always escaped my mind to mention it or like maybe subconsciously I was trying to keep the hype down because I wanted to be able to mint it to get some. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this was project 11477. It was 255 editions and it was only a two test mint. It wasn't a Dutch auction or anything like that. You know, no reservations or anything. And I was able to like with minimal gas mint three of them. And they're just like these amazing minimal, like they're a project that you can just look at the thumbnail. You don't have, you don't have to, you know, load them up to see it. Like it's kind of all laid out there for you, but like minimal colors and composition and just the idea of, you know, he, he went through the trouble of like creating a, a thread and a website explaining how it was made. And like the idea of creating something that balances from the, in a way that's not physically possible. Like it's actually constructed top down instead of bottom up, which is why you're able to get these pieces that look like they shouldn't make sense. but we were kind of breaking physics with code to, to put together. Right. It's just a super elegant piece to me. And I, I actually sold the three that I got cause I didn't like them. And then I bought back three different ones, like just to like get a nice set that I thought was representative. And I put them into a deck gallery. Yeah. It's a cool concept. The uh, mathematically balanced. I'd, I'd love to, you know, read a deep dive on, on how he did that. Well, we'll link to it in the show notes if, if I remember to, cause it's, it's all on his website. It's pretty oh, cool. cool. Thanks. And the other one that was a favorite of mine this week, which is kind of a big drop, and we can talk more about it. Maybe this will be like the first big, big drop we talk about was um, Hollow. Yeah. From, you know, he doesn't use his name on the site, but it's Jacek Merkusowicz, I think. Mm-hmm. He's uh, the Polish guy, and, you know, he's he made like Unbuilt, usually did like architectural stuff. And this is kind of a, I guess, in that same style. But to me, this one was like really. I should say it's in the same style and that it's like a physical representation of something and it's kind of like architectural-esque, but the actual aesthetic of it is is very divergent from the other stuff that he's done. And I thought it was just like very moody, evocative, um, missed the mint, but I was able to trade for one actually. (laughs) Oh, nice. Yeah, I really wanted one when I saw him, but I was was a bit late and I just don't have enough Tez and reserve to, to, to dive in at this point, but yeah, I love the um, the inspiration behind it. You know, on his write up on the on the project, and uh, the outputs are pretty incredible. I like the the vibe, the the moody look. To me, I get even though they're very different projects in terms of like the like the emotion and like what I sense from it, is I get a very similar feeling to like Solace, right? Actually, even even though some of them or the majority of the pieces are like populated with people, they're so empty and large and the way that the coloring and shading and the light work is done, it does feel like a very, very lonely space. Right. And then some of them are like light only or like just birds. I'm in the market for a light only one. So if you want to trade, hit me up. Like I want one that's like no people. I want one that's maximum lonely. <laughs> this is one of the few of the week that is actually like maintaining and increasing its floor like day over day. Yeah, it's been doing really well. huh? And do, they, do the figures move with time or? I think that they do the the piece is tagged as animated i know the birds move and they're a little more quick but someone took like a little screen grab and showed that like the people do kind of shift around but i think they move much slower Hmm. 
I like the grainy background too. It's quite nice. You know, Trinity is not normally one to make big purchases on the secondary and she bought one <laughs> like nice. at a hundred plus range, which is like for her, that's, that's a huge statement to speak for her as I'm allowed to do on this podcast. Yeah. It's a great collection. I've been meaning to, to pick up a degrowth generations for ages. I don't have anything from this artist, but, um, degrowth generations was high on my list of, of wants and now hollows up there with it. But. I just think it's, I think it's stunning. And even though it's not the most diverse piece, I mean, I guess you could argue it's not like hyper diverse between the outputs. I still think that like each individually is just so interesting that it doesn't detract for me at all. Yeah. And at a 256 edition size, it seems perfectly sized. Huh? So, yeah, I mean that, so that covers it for our favorites. Um, I'm trying to think if I have any other favorites I want to bring up or if we should just move right into like some of the bigger drops. Yeah, I'm happy to move into that. One thing I was going to mention that I forgot to cover the allow list, reserve list, is it seems like one potential speculation could be, you know, identifying artists who have edition, maybe only one collection so far, and then collecting those pieces with the idea of a future, you know, reserve spot. So I don't know if you've gone through and tried to find some like, you know, that are potential, um, you know, that was actually part of my motivation for minting. And this this is a good segue into talking about one of the pieces of this week. But that was part of my incentive for minting Angry Noise. As we were getting down to the wire on Burn. I remember you mentioning that, yeah. It was like, okay, so, you know, it's an expensive piece, really, really well-known artist. We had already seen artists transitioning into doing airdrops and stuff right by the end of beta. So to me, it wasn't so far-fetched to be like, oh, like not only could I get myself a one-of-one under a hundred output releases from Peter Pasma, but I could potentially be reserving myself stuff in the future, right? Airdrops or, or spots to, to sure. mint. Yeah. And it actually did end up working out, right? Like, right. so the, the drop that he released this week called Gonzian, and it was project one, one, five, eight, nine. It was like a massive 1000 editions at 65 Tez. And then anyone who held a Peter Pasma, which it ended up being about 150 or 200 people, got on the reserve list for it. And we're at what, 117 minted on that, huh? Yeah. So not even everyone who has a reserve spot has exercised it. I haven't yet. And I am curious to hear, you know, I know we've DM'd a little bit about this piece. I think you might be a little more into it than I am. So I'm going to let you go first on it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Peter Pasma. I really like, um, you know, his sculptor collection from Art Blocks. And then um, Hyper Giraffe is one of my favorites from FX Hash. Angry Noise, I like quite a bit. Dot Product, I never collected, but but I like that one. Gonzian, I don't know. I um I haven't minted my eligible spot yet. My only concern was that uh, with one thousand outputs at sixty five tes, you know, your sixty five thousand tes. That's a lot of uh, it's a lot of liquidity, you know. To I I'm just not sure with the amount of wallets we have now if if we can support that and then potentially grow from there. So. I like them. My one concern was maybe the the outputs look fairly similar. I don't see a huge variety, but uh, I haven't done a deep dive into what's been minted yet. I felt like I have all the you know so much time with a reserve spot. No, I think I'm in the same camp that definitely each piece is technically different, mm-hmm. and I you know they're not like identical outputs or anything like that. But I think because of the way that they're composed, and because of also like. The inclusion of that black background on it looks like that's about like 70% of the pieces roll with that black background versus like the clean mm-hmm. white. The black background, I think, contributes heavily to them all feeling the same because it imposes so much on like the centerpiece, which is 
the abstract fungus or vaguely organic or what, whatever type of alien thing it's supposed to represent. Sure. That inclusion behind it, I think, really obscures like some of the detail that might make them pop and feel more individual. Yeah, I, I've noticed the ones I'm most drawn to are the, the clean background ones, like number 96. Or I'm, I'm scrolling through them now. There's some really um, beautiful ones there. I think that's a good call. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I know a lot of people in Discord are either like biding their time or they're just really, really down on this piece. And I think that they're not going to mint it. I mean, it's kind of hard to believe considering the other work he's done that there would be a piece now under a hundred Tez that has been available for this long that I'm curious to know what will happen with this. And will someone come in and just start aggressively minting, <laughs> minting it and try to corner the market? Are we, sure. are we facing down like a burn a week or two from now or a month from now? I hope he keeps it open for some time, you know, because we have seen in the past where the slow mints, they go to motivated collectors as opposed to, you know, those looking for a quick. Uh... Yeah, but we haven't seen that whale collector come in and really evangelize the piece yet Mm-mm. and make a statement, right? And, and usually those statements are made in the secondary market. And because the piece is still unminted, it's going to be hard for that to happen. Didn't the funny guys buy or mint a bunch of them, I think? Oh, it looks like four Probably. or five or something. Um, I also wonder if if this had dropped at the start of the week, if we would have had a very different outcome. You know, considering the fact that we've seen 400,000 Tez spent just in the top five collections. I don't know. I, I wonder if, you know, if you dropped it sooner, if maybe it would have seen more mints. Maybe not. Hard to say. Well, you know, the thing is with a thousand, it's not even really an appealing, and I'm not saying this in, in a bad way, but it's not appealing for bots or right. anyone who's like looking to aggressively flip it because it's a large enough quantity that you can't really control enough of it to like actually guarantee you're going to make your money and the price is high. Yeah. So I, I feel like in that scenario where like the community latched onto it on day one, we would have seen like we've seen some others where like the first half to two thirds go to legit holders and then the flippers and bots pile in at the end because they, they realize it's about to mint out like we've seen on some slow burns in the past. Sure. And maybe we would have then seen like a frenzy on the secondary, but I don't know. Like I never saw much hype of yeah. people being like, I can't wait to mint this one when even it was being shown on Twitter. Sure. It's a piece that makes me wish I was better at reading code so I can go and kind of like look at what's going on here and appreciate it because like that's what this artist is known for, especially and is like revered by their peers. It's like right. this guy is a great coder and there's probably aspects of this that are lost on us because we don't speak code. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we can't understand like yeah. what like I look at it and I know like the color, like I see things going on with color in this project that I don't see in like a typical FX hash project. And I 100% know I don't know how to do sure with my limited coding experience. And so I know there's cool stuff going on here and I just wish, you know, I just don't know. I just really have no read on where this is going to go. And I'm just kind of waiting to decide if I'm going to admit mine or not. Right. I really have no clue. Yeah. I wish I knew how to code because I feel like it puts you at a slight disadvantage as a collector, you know, because I I don't know if you can fully appreciate the piece without understanding how it was made or appreciating that aspect of it. I also wonder if maybe, you know, he set the edition size so high to intentionally discourage bots or, you know, the whole flipper segment of the market. I'd love to hear some, you know, of his reasoning on, you know, background on the project and the size and all that. And, and if that's the case, that would be like very similar to what Shivan Boulder did mm-hmm. with the NFT drop. But, you know, that one was a little more telegraphed, which is like, you guys have three hours to mint this. And it was set at an arbitrarily high price, sorry, arbitrarily high quantity. Right. 
and then it was burned. That could be the intention here, which is like, I'm going to give my true collectors and fans time to like process this and collect it. And then when I feel like that time has passed, I'm going to burn it down. Right. And then they're going to be holding something that's of a, a much smaller quantity release. So yeah, that, I mean, that's definitely probably by artist name, the biggest drop of the week since we already covered Zankin in the last show. Mm-hmm. Matt, any in particular project on the list that you might want to go to next? Um, I'm not sure if this made the final list, but I thought the, um, I'm going to butcher this uh, pronunciation, but the three drops from Dr. Bill uh, Kolomjek were quite interesting. Yeah, your guess is as good as mine yeah. <laughs> on the pronunciation. Fairly simple outputs, but I don't know if simple is the right word, but um, the history of the artist I found quite interesting. I don't know if there's anyone else who was involved in generative art you know, back in the 1970s who's still creating generative art today, which I found quite cool. There was some kind of controversy over this guy because he kind of popped up with an unverified account and it was just like a URL to like, follow me. I'm an original computer artist and everyone, I I mean, there were some reports of it in like scam report of like, Mm -hmm. is this real? Like, who is this guy? Like, what, what the hell? Like, and then it wasn't until a couple artists on Twitter were like, no, this is like the real guy. And they found his Twitter. He had like 50 Twitter followers. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I minted some of these. I minted actually like eight of each just mm-hmm. on putting some respect on the name of a guy who's been making computer art for a lot longer than I was even born, you know, right. basically my lifespan probably or longer. I mean, he might be the only one, you know, who was making computer art back in the seventies who's still doing it today. Yeah. It's, it's wild. I am not absolutely wowed by the outputs or by mm-hmm. what he decided to do, but it is an interesting historical piece in that sense of like connecting old, old, old original computer art now to like this renaissance of, of gen art that we're having on FX hash. Sure. Yeah. I was reading up on him a bit and um, I think Kalo actually has a really nice medium article on it, but he was doing some of his work on the, it was the IBM 1800, which apparently obviously there's no mouse or, you know, there's no way to easily interact. So you would have to, you know, write out your code on a punch card and then they enter it in. And sometime later the output would would come out. It just seems kind of cool how, um, you know, how many challenges there were creating computer art back then. Did you get any? I did. I got, uh, I think I got, I don't know, maybe 10 across the three collections. Yep. And those, those are projects 11229, 11162, and 11357. And I think only the first one, which was Square Planet, is actually minted out. And we've seen a couple trade on the secondary. And I, I'm not sure actually everyone realized that he put two more out. And he actually put a fourth one out too, which was like a Ukraine Donation. charity piece. Yeah, Because I think Ukrainian American. Hmm. So he threw that up there. Yeah. One thing I did notice is they seem to be offset somewhat, you know, the pieces themselves, which I don't know if that was a coding error or not. Yeah, I think he didn't know how to do that, which is which I totally understand as someone who was like just learning to like put stuff on FX hash. Right. It's not enough to just make your code and have it work in your console. Like it has to actually be properly formatted to work in sure. the browser window. And so there's some other steps that some artists um, in particular abstractment helped me like figure out to make sure that my drops actually fit in the window and don't do that because it was important to me. Right. If you're not on the site and collecting, like you don't know what the standard is, right? If you're just kind of like putting stuff up. So sure. I think he was, he made a comment about that on Twitter and was sad about that. <laughs> yeah. But it looks like as you open it up, you can reposition it to, to fit the frame properly. Yeah. So we will link to Kahlo's post about him too, because I think it's kind of interesting yeah. to have someone like that, like even aware of FX hash and, and releasing stuff here. You know, we kind of covered iRyan Bell a bit. Did you have anything else you want to say about Sprocket Factory? 
I tried to get two. I put in seven gas on each and unfortunately missed out. And then the price just ran away from me so quick. I was afraid to dive in. I think they're beautiful. You know, there's some great outputs. The only reservation I'd have, um, I, I love Fragments of a Wave. I think that's one of the standouts from Beta. With Sprocket, I feel like it's a little bit, I don't know if derivative is the right word, of uh, Fidenzas and Ringers, or just, you know, borrows heavily from those two projects, which I guess there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. I appreciate Fragments more as, as you know, something very original and unique on FX Hash. Yeah, I kind of went through disliking this piece. Well, I'll say the very first thing I thought before I found out or before we saw that Abstractment was doing the collaboration with Tender, because we knew he was working on something. The very first images I saw from IYM Bell on this, the little squigglies, I actually thought looked like clues. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, because we also knew Iron Bell was working on a collaboration. So I was like, oh. So there's a collab there. Yeah. And actually, the Iron Bell collaboration was just announced today on like a uh, right click save Twitter spaces. And mm-hmm. he's working on something with Frank Forrest killed by a pixel. Oh, cool. So very much looking forward to that. Yeah. Then as he continued showing outputs of it, and I, I kind of went through that wave of like, why is he doing this? It's just ringers and fidenzas. And like, we don't need more work like this. Like what we need is cool original stuff. I was really down on it. And then he kept showing more stuff. Yeah. And I was like, okay, he actually is doing a lot of cool stuff with like colors and the packing algorithm that he's using here to kind of have the ringer interact with the flow field based part of it. He's definitely putting a spin on it. That being said, the second I saw the floors up at 200 on launch day, I was just like, I could not list fast enough because I think it's a cool piece but I don't think it's fragments level. I just don't think it is that type of piece. And so for me, this was like a sell and then come back to it later. And I would not be surprised if there's a future where you, you can pick these up you know, like under a hundred if you want them. I mean, that would be my take as well, but I guess the market could prove us wrong on that. I like them and I'd like to have one or two eventually. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Tazumi's Enlightened Journey, which you know is an awesome piece. But then when I look at it, I think of Zancan, Garden Monolith, even though I'm sure the code is quite different. It's just one of those things that every collector has to kind of decide, like if they're going to hold it against the artist or not, or if they think it's going to impact the future value, or if they even care. Sure. In some cases, you might not care and you just like it and it is what it is. And there's nothing wrong with taking a fresh take on something or being inspired by. Yeah. I mean, well, since we're talking about expensive stuff, the most probably performative piece of the week in terms of raw Tez and returns was probably Mediterranean by Kira O. Project 11430, 365 edition, 16 Tez. I don't think there were any reserves on this at all. This is the one that I think someone gassed like up to 50. And uh, I totally missed on this. Didn't respect the amount of gas people were willing to pay. And, you know, very selfishly, I wanted to mint it explicitly to flip it. (laughs) This was like my read on the piece was that it was going to explode. And I wanted to get some Tez just for free. And unfortunately for me in my wallet, that didn't work out. Yeah, I had a similar take on it. I I had a feeling it would do really well. I didn't realize it would do that well. I think they're pretty striking. I like them quite a bit. Uh, I know you're not generally big on landscapes from what I remember, but um, I like the... uh, you know, kind of the hyper-realism of these. It's almost like a photo. I thought they were quite well done. Um, it looks like 10 were reserved. I'm not sure. They're still not minted, huh? Interesting. Oh, so there must have been some reserve. Were they reserved for herself? Yeah, it looks like they're for her. Oh, okay. She has not claimed her 10 yet. Yeah, she did have a few reserved here, I guess. She had like, I think, one reserve for Liam Egan. So maybe he was involved in some way. Like I know he works behind the scenes with artists a lot to help them with 
their drops on FX hash and then she reserved a couple for a lonely boy. Mm-hmm. I think mostly because he was just a huge fan of it as a work in process. I'm not, <laughs> right. not sure like how he ended up with three reserved for himself, but you know, tell us your secrets, I <laughs> yeah, guess. <exactly. laughs> I'm kind of surprised so many are listed at the moment, but uh, looks like we have 29% or so listed for sale. You know, I was looking at the floor stats here, like the floor is down almost a hundred Tez from its peak back on the 20th, which is not too long ago. <laughs> you know, it's only two days ago, but um, it does seem like a lot of people who minted and were willing to pay gas were of the same mindset as like maybe you and I, which was, well, this is definitely a piece that's going to appreciate and it's a good flip target. Right. I don't know where the floor is going to bottom out. Yeah. There's still a hundred on the market. Yeah. Almost 30%. And I wonder if people are, you know, getting to that point where they need liquidity again. So, Because there's still so many big potential drops coming. Like a lot of the hyped collabs that we only know in part or like know in total, like still haven't dropped. Right. Like we really only got Zan Kenyazid of the ones that people were really, really, really excited about. I, I'll say, you know, my personal take, you're right. Like I don't really care about landscapes, I guess minus like the really, truly exceptional ones. And like, I know some people are putting that in that category, but I also feel like a lot of people put every new landscape in that category until the floors prove otherwise. And so this could be one that maintains and kind of sits in this multiple hundred Tez level. Like maybe it'll become the solace tier piece of landscapes and kind of trade, not at the 6,000 level like a Zan can, but I don't know. I just feel like, I just, I don't know. I just, I just feel like it's not it, but right. The market, the market tends to disagree with me on these a lot. So, <laughs> I, you know, this is just my take, purely my take. It is interesting, I think, that some of the real big standouts on FX Hash tend to be landscape pieces, whereas on art blocks, they're um, you know abstract, non-representational collections for the most part. And that could be due to the fact that you know art blocks is curated and they control what's put out, you know, versus um, you know the open market at FX Hash. But it is interesting. I don't know if it's a different type of collector. I heard from an artist the other day that even the art blocks, what is it called? Like playground, like the less curated is still actually curated. Like you can't just roll up and put up a, it's not fully, yeah, yeah, it's not fully open. Like they have a higher acceptance rate for it, but it's not open. You have to be curated to drop on playground and factory is like for people who haven't been curated before. But but factory is not truly open. Correct. Yeah. You still have to go through the, you know, one or two year waiting period and all that, which is wild. Yeah. Where should we go next? We still have quite a few to cover here. There's a, you know, the landlines negative space, 11550. I missed it. <laughs> Life was in the way. I was out doing stuff. Did you get any of those? Yeah. I did. I minted, you know, it was 20 Tez, which is, I think, the landline standard now, mm-hmm. 512 editions. And I feel like his drops don't really get too heavily targeted in general because the floors tend to not explode right away, even when people go for it. This one did have temporarily like a 30 40 test floor yeah i minted three on faith because you know you listen to the show like i'm a huge landlines fan yeah i love their stuff it's definitely not my favorite in a while there's one permutation in particular that i that kind of feels out of place to me i think it's called circuit or connected or something like that the one that's like really really noisy and has a lot of i think i know what you're talking about yeah yeah that one to me feels awkward amongst the rest that have a seem a lot more harmonious mm-hmm. and kind of make sense together when you even though they're they're very different in how they're composed but um i still like it enough that i mean right now the floor is under mint it's like 
18 or 19 Tez floor. Like I like it enough that if the floors drop some more, I'm going to be picking up a couple and adding some diversity just for the sake of having some more landline pieces. And who knows, maybe there will be reserves in the future <laughs> Yeah, as well, yeah. right? So it's incentive to have them. I've been eyeing them as well. And um, you know, I plan on picking up a few. I really like that. I think it was like the parachute trait. I'm not sure what that one was called, but yeah, it looks like there's 34% listed. So I, I kind of want to just grab one now, but I feel like I don't feel like prices are going to run away from us anytime no, yeah. soon. So I'm trying to be patient on that one. I wonder if that 34 is people who bought it to flip because the market's been so hot this month or sorry, this week, it feels like mm-hmm. a month. Or was it just people who minted and then looked and kind of were like, oh, you know what? This is not as good as sedimentary or this is not as, it's not in my top three landlines drops and I'm just going to try to ship them while I can like recover my costs. Like it's hard, sure. hard to know what the motivations are there. Yeah. I think for me, sedimentary is the one that really stands out from all the landlines collections. Yeah. Sedimentary is probably going to be, you know, if we do like a year end review episode, if we, if we do a year of this episode of this podcast, which would be amazing to think that we did like 52 weeks of episodes, but we, <laughs> it was, it'll probably be on my top five or top 10 drops of the year. Yeah. That was a great one. I still don't have one. I'm embarrassed to say. I'm sure there'll be a point again where you'll be able to get one. Yeah. So you mentioned Punavir before. Should we talk about Punavir? So we have Punavir Focus 11288. I have not got one of those yet. I picked up several of the yard sale, um, you know, this mm-hmm. earlier one, which I really like. I, I don't know. I just think Punavir has been an, an amazing artist. You know, he's, I'm not sure is he or she, uh, over 14,000 pieces now have been released and they've all performed well. I mean, nothing from Punavir sells for under mint. You know, most of them are, well, are free mints. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. was going to say when your when your average mint price is just zero. above zero, <laughs> yeah. it's pretty easy. Yeah. To outperform for someone you know with a small wallet or a modest wallet. I mean, I can't think of a better artist to really track and follow and try and mint aggressively because you know, look at like Glass, which was up to forty Tez floor or something for a while. Almost all these free mints, you know, or or the one Tez mints go. 10x or more aside from you know the, the art being great it's a really great opportunity to grow your tez i wonder if it's going to take some time to do well because it is very much like in the same family as glass and pain mm-hmm. i think i think still without feeling derivative it's definitely its own thing but it's playing on that same color layering effect and like composition ideas for me i ended up with a lot of these <laughs> how many is a lot like 10 I am like a top three holder oh, wow. of this nice. with like, I think I have 32 Wow, nice! because it, it, so it dropped, you know, we're both in the U S and for me on the East coast here. So this is a Dutch auction from three tests down to zero. Mm-hmm. So I think I was like getting ready to do some sleep. It was like 1030 or 11 o'clock, putting the baby to bed for the two hours. She's going to sleep. It's at three tests. I'm like, I'm not going to miss it at three tests wake back up, take care of the baby, check. It's down to one Tez. Okay. So now I'm going to mint a little bit at one Tez. The tiers were incredibly long. It was like two or three hours per tier. So basically every time I woke up to take care of the baby, it had bumped down a tier and, and it wasn't being minted out until like one or one or a half Tez. So mm. all throughout the night, I was like picking them up until it hit free. And then I was just like jamming it with whoever else was <laughs> awake. I think he must be European or I'm not really sure why he really released in those hours, but it doesn't quite make sense. <laughs> but, uh, I ended up getting like two inverted ones and weirdly enough, when it got to zero, he turned on rev split for the people who minted them, but it wasn't enabled for the higher tier. I think it was accidental. I don't don't think it was intentional, but anyone who minted it for the free tier level ends up having a rev share on that. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that was a feature. 
So actually all of your yard sales, he did it for yard sale too. If you look at the royalty split, anyone who minted the yard sale, if you sell it in perpetuity, every sale of that token, you're going to get a portion of it. Oh, wow. That is so cool. I, That's I a totally new feature with, with the contract that is, uh, it's, it's strange. And we haven't really seen it play out much yet. So actually uh, we didn't put this on the list, but Tazumi put out a drop last night that was explicitly like kind of from their bin, you know, it was like not a piece that they intended to really really seriously mm-hmm. and they did like a five test dutch auction and they structured it so that the royalty was almost 100% to whoever minted it. Oh wow, that's I don't think it will let you do 100% to minter, but it was like 0.05% for Tazumi and 99.95 for whoever mints it. Yeah, looking at focus, I I guess I was a liar. It's actually below mint then it's at 0.88 now, but Yeah, but you know glass was down under a tez for a long time and and there's there's like a lot of interesting diversity in this one and and great pieces to pick up and Yeah. I made a deck, a gallery of like everything I've collected in the first week only. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes and you can kind of see them all laid out. It is definitely glass level. It's it's very, very cool drop. Yeah, I like these quite a bit. I feel like they would look great displayed on, you know, on a wall as well. If you had a good NFT frame. That's on my list if, if and when we move <laughs> and have more space. We're kind of getting down here to the end of the list. Uh, I had Disrupted Star on here with Extreme Ways. I feel like that that came out on Sunday, I think, the day after launch. And that one did really, really well for them. This is Project 11331. And this is what inspired me to kind of do a Twitter-based reserve list because they did that as well. And man, it was overwhelming. So like, kudos to them <laughs> for doing this piece. But yeah, I mean, this had a highest secondary sale of 222 Tez. Wow. In the moment. And to, to me, actually, like, I don't know if you've looked at these much or if you're looking at them now. Yeah, I'm pulling them now. They're very sequence-esque to me in kind of like what they're doing compositionally and like the, the variation on them. Maybe that's what people were seeing in them. Yeah, I would agree, especially some of the, the vertical-oriented ones. Yeah, they're quite cool. I just wanted to call this one out, like one, because it's like a, another big step forward for the artist. We actually like featured them in the favorite section two or three months ago on the podcast just for a a really small, cool drop they did. And they're an example of a new artist like coming on the platform and gaining momentum and building fans, basically, right? Like building a collector base and then really, really breaking out and hitting at this, you know, wisely dropping on opening weekend. And just, it's awesome. It's just, it's just cool to see. I got one reserved on, on Twitter and minted my reserve piece and just, it's really cool. I don't know what else to say. It's just a very cool piece. Have you picked any up on the secondary or... No, I'm waiting. I'm waiting because it's just the floor is down around maybe 19 or, or 18 when, when I checked yesterday and the peak was like 30. Mm-hmm. So I, I think like a lot of drops and it's it's not anything about the drops themselves. I think it's just the market conditions. Like I think there's more room for everything to kind of retrace. So sure, I'm waiting. And it's still holding 3X mint, which is pretty good. Which is good. Yeah. Impressive. There's not many pieces that are like under mint. The only ones that are kind of going under mint right now that I was tracking are the landlines, which fell under. Mm-hmm. And then like Mark Knoll, No Circles, right. which I think just came out like yesterday. Why are they not dipping below mint price now? Would you say it's just because our collector base is that much larger? Or do you think we're just in that part of the cycle where people are overly bullish? I don't know. I, I must be the new liquidity, right? Yeah. It seems like the market's holding up really well, would you say? In general, like even though we're seeing floors deflate, a lot of these pieces have not dipped back below mint, which is interesting. And I don't know if it's because of the reserve system and getting like a lot of these pieces had that in part or, you know, almost all of them reserved or it's because of Dutch auctions hmm. and all these new tools. Is it, is it that like more strong holders are getting them? I don't know. 
it feels so heated though too like people are clearly selling and flipping so that kind of goes against that narrative maybe it's just gonna take one more week yeah right yeah i do think and there was a narrative of in particular because of the sprocket factory drop so so ryan bell is in like the proof collective mm-hmm. i don't really know too much about it i guess it's like a DAO or some art-based thing but the narrative was that because of his drop like a lot of people from eth came over right. in particular and maybe they stuck around and saw a lot of other cool stuff or like like i said like it, it did feel like relief checks you know like in the mail for, in a sense right. for anyone who, who who was able to get that for five tes you got an easy 40x you know right. minus royalty on that so there is a lot of wealth effect going around and I do think it has caused like some pieces to inflate clearly beyond what they meant to because they're retracing, right? But even artists like we were just about to talk about like Mark Knoll a little bit and No Circles, his stuff usually doesn't moon instantly. His stuff usually like mints out and trades a little bit, but usually in the past has never done like a three or four or five X or 10 X. In this case, it didn't do 10 because he started it at 15 Tez. But to see his drop come out and be trading at a multiple above mint right away, it was like, whoa. That just was to me a huge indicator. Did trees? I feel like trees on Lake um, did really well. That might have been the exception. Yeah, that might yeah. have been the exception. But that's a landscape, and so that's kind of like a whole other <laughs> thing, you know. Right. And then of course, you know, the small schools, but that's a totally different thing. But those took a long time. Those yeah. didn't move. Don't didn't moon on day one. I mean, they were a slow burn, and they kind of organically built their own fan base and have become a thing within the FX hash community. Let's see. I pulled up my very first price sheet from December 1st. And I think the, the floor on skulls was six Tez. So that's uh, it's amazing how far they've come. Well, I, I'm actually going to throw the question back at you, Matt. Do you feel the same? You don't feel like this is like the start of a super cycle or anything like that. And that all of these drops are going to stay well above mint. Do, are you kind of in agreement with me that we could see this stuff continue to retrace or? I mean, it's so hard to say. I guess it all depends on, you know, how many wallets and who's collecting. I tend to think that we're going to, you know, see some more pullbacks over the next few weeks. Just because we had such a huge amount of volume this last week, I imagine people are going to want liquidity for the next collab or the next hot drop. Um, that would be my guess. Who knows? I mean, if the Kevin Roses of the NFT world start going heavy on FX hash, it could all change quickly. It feels like there's some more whales in the ecosystem now. For a while there, you know, there was Galaxy and Mage and a few others, you know, who are always making the big buys. And now, you know, you see these unnamed wallets coming in and casually paying 2000 Tez for something. So um, it does feel like the landscape's changing, which is exciting. You know, it kind of makes me nostalgic for the early days where you could casually mint and pick stuff up cheap. But um, yeah, it's definitely blowing up. Definitely, there's been new whales coming mm-hmm. in. I mean, I've seen a bunch of wallet names I've never seen before mm-hmm. collecting stuff. And not buying just one, but buying multiples at high levels, you know? Yeah, yeah. And in particular on the Cura drop and on the Sprockets drop. But then we've seen it on some other stuff, at Hollow as well. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of the same, you know, the usual whales coming in. Like they've brought their, like Lonely Boy was like super active. I think he was in Discord yesterday saying he like dropped 4K Tez yeah. this week. Wow. So Galaxy was doing some buying this week and breaking the seven-day rule, like not crazy amounts, but he did come in and get some hollows and maybe a few other things. So Sprocket. So they're they're out there. Everyone's excited. And I feel like the sentiment, like my prediction around the collabs was that I was just going to try to mint them and sell them. We didn't get as many collabs this week, but like in general, like the mint and sell idea was very good for this week. <laughs> yeah. If you could get the mint and you quickly took profit, you probably did pretty well, but... I always have a hard time selling the stuff I like. No, I know because you're kind of like, well, I could wait longer and it might keep going up. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. 
And on some of them, that was the case, but on some, they came back down kind of quickly. Yeah, we're, we might be getting a little long here. The only other one I wanted to mention was Lauren Bednar, who released a project called Timeout Chair, which is really just like a chair emoji. 125 editions, 20 Tez. I'm just a fan of Lauren Bednar's kind of aesthetic, and I think it's very unique to the platform. I ended up minting two and buying one in the secondary to have like a nice little trip to Kier. Very not financial advice, because I think most people who buy Lauren stuff, you don't see the return. It's more... It might be like a multi-year thing versus a multi-week. Thing. Right. I don't know if you're a fan of, of his stuff, but I, I think it's pretty pretty cool. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Lauren Bednar's stuff. You know, his phase from Artblocks was one of my favorite curated collections from Artblocks. But yeah, I, I feel like his work is super undervalued on um, FX Hash. And I hope that changes with time. Um, I really like the Precision series. The timeout chair looks really cool. I haven't got one yet, but it looks like there's quite a few for sale. So I'll probably pick one up here shortly. But um, yeah, I really, really like the aesthetic. Well, you know what? I just realized there's one drop we do have to talk about before we wrap that I didn't move up to the list. But John Carroll released Broken Mirror just yesterday. Project 11712, 250 edition, entirely reserved right now for people who held his um, Gatorade bottle mm-hmm. piece. And there are 70, 75 Tez. I think as of right now, this recording, only four have been minted. Eight. Eight have been minted. Okay. So a few more people while we were recording came in and minted. Still a lot lower than you might expect for a John project. What do you think of this one? <laughs> well, that's similar to, um, to the Pasma drop, I guess, where there's all these reserved slots that aren't getting minted. And maybe it's because it's you know high mint price. I don't know. I really like John Carroll's, um, you know, window series on, on Hen. I'm not huge on the layered PNG collections, so um, I don't have one reserved on this, and uh, so it's not it's not an option for me to mint anyways. But um, it looks cool. It's it's to me, it's not my favorite of of his work. It is not. I will. I mean, you know, I think that's a nice way to put it. It is not my favorite either. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't get what's going on here and what the deal is. Maybe if you want to be generous, you could argue it's kind of like trying to be like anti-aesthetic or right. it's playing on some kind of like the simplicity of internet memes or com- you know early like single cell comics. But I don't know. I, don't, <laughs> I, I, I hesitate to say it's too over everyone's head that we're not getting it. I think that a lot of people are looking at it on face value and going like, why is this here? Like it's not really, doesn't really fit. Like even as far as layered projects go, the diversity is not really apparent. Mm. You're going to be stuck with like whatever slogan you get on the bottom of it. I just don't see it. I think, I don't know if it was announced, but some people were saying that if they aren't minted by Saturday, he's going to open it to the public. And I wonder if the public will embrace these beyond what the people who have the rights to them now will. Do you think it would mint out if it was open? Personally, I think if he does open it, it's such a bad sign that all these people who are basically whales who have afforded his last drop at 250 or a hundred or hundred, whatever they got it in like that. All of these whales who were fans decided not to buy it. Chose to pass. Yeah. Chose to pass. So now I'm supposed to like speculate 75 Tez on this or, I mean, you can almost get a Gatorade at the same price and the Gatorade is cooler. I think. Yeah. I, I prefer the Gatorade as well. I saw one sell the other day in the eighties. So, Oh wow. Uh, so they've come down quite a bit. So yeah, people who are holding the Gatorades, even if you minted them at a hundred, you're, if you're flooring them, you're at a loss mm. right now. So, I mean, it just doesn't bode well. I, I just don't understand. Like I would love, love, love to see him work with an artist on the platform. Mm. 
and actually like take what he does and work with someone who got some generative chops and come up with a collaboration that will kind of turn the sentiment for his work around. Because like like you, like one of the things when I first got into hand NFTs was like I saw Windows and I was like, that's really cool. Yeah, that's a great series. Yeah, and I and I minted a bunch of them over the holidays when he was doing those one a day, like really cheap. Mm-hmm. like five Tez each. And I minted a bunch of randomly common skellies when he did those. Like I thought, I don't really like profile pick projects, but I liked his take on it mm-hmm. and like the way he did it. And I thought it was fun. So for me, both of these projects have been kind of disappointing and I'm not really sure what he's going for in general. You know, I, I imagine he brought a lot of new collectors to FX hash would be my guess, you know, just cause he's such a huge name on him and Twitter. But yeah, I like Gatorade and Apples. I never picked one up. Looks like they're at 110 now, so it might be a good time to grab one. I guess I'm just not feeling the new one. But there's only eight outputs, you know, to uh, to judge at the moment. I don't know. I guess it would be a pass for me if, if I had a reserve spot. I think the only argument you can make is like an extremely long-term play. Like if you're bullish on the artist for like five or 10 years and you just want to own a John one of one and you don't really care what it looks like, then here's your chance to do it far more affordably than you can get a window. Or even like an addition window, like a one of 20 window is well over 75 Tez, right? Right. So, and here you're getting a true one of one. John must be one of the top five all-time sellers on him, would you say? Yeah, I, I don't follow it that much, but I know I've seen those lists and he's he's up there. there. Yeah. Cool. Well, Matt, that that covers the drops. Clearly to everyone listening, my daughter's on my lap <laughs> and we're having a hard time recording this episode. I appreciate anyone who's listened through some of the noise. Yeah, Matt, I'm going to mute and let you give some final thoughts here while I settle her. I would love to hear from you where you think we're going. Like, Also, anything that you might be doing, are you going to do anything new with the project? Like, Are you cleaving off beta tokens versus 1.0 launch tokens? Like, are you gonna, What are you going to do in your practice kind of moving forward that we can look forward to? Okay, yeah. Um, well, thanks again for having me on. It's been a lot of fun. I, Like I said, I'm a huge fan of the podcast. I feel like you guys do a lot of uh, good work bringing more people to the space and getting people excited about generative art on FX hash. As for my list going forward, unless I can figure out how to automate a lot of this and scrape you know, the data, I'll probably focus on the beta collections that I have now and uh, potentially do um, a 1.0 spreadsheet and a beta spreadsheet and post both. But it all depends on how much time I have, I guess. So you're saying you're not going to start a podcast as well? <laughs> I'm not going to start a podcast, no. Right. I don't know how you how you have there. the time for all this, but I'm impressed. You know, you just set an alarm and you get up early yeah. sometimes <laughs> yeah. to, fin- to finish an edit or to put together notes. It's certainly more work than I think I imagine, but it's also incredibly rewarding yeah. just to like to grow to grow something like this. And, you know, receiving a donation, like an out-of-this-world donation like we got from Zancan is like... I don't think in our wildest dreams that we ever think like something like that could have happened. Yeah, that was so cool. That's awesome. And when you think back to the very early days, like you were you were in Discord in late November, right? Yeah. Did you think we would get to this point where you'd have a podcast and there'd be, you know, twenty nineteen thousand people collecting on FX hash? And it's it's quite cool that we've come so far. I definitely did not know at that point I was gonna do a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say that much. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap it there because the baby is really popping off. Okay. Matt W., thanks so much for pinch hosting this week and, and, and joining us. I really appreciate it. All right. That's that's going to be it. Thanks, everyone. That's Baby Pop for you. Thank you. All right. Later, Matt. Bye.